Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Hey gang, it's it's that time again. It's Friday. It's 5pm. It's Johnny. It's Brad. Uh, it's Brad <laughs> doing an intro for once, trying not to fuck it up. Oh, I've sworn in the first... 10 seconds. Johnny, what, what, what have you been up to this week, mate? <laughs> that was glorious. I thought I'd interject, <laughs> but I just left you for as long as I possibly could. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm well. We haven't seen each other this week because I've been off in cider country. Well, actually, that's the wrong accent because I was in Hereford. Um, so I went up to the cider harvest and stayed with the guys at Little Pomona, uh, James and Susanna. Susanna I've known for a long time because she used to be a, a beer journalist or, well, a drinks journalist. So I went up and stayed with them and helped them out with the harvest, made a little cheeky video all on my phone, which will be an interesting experiment. Mm. Um, and I did that because I was I was doing content for Good Beer Hunting. So I had to, had to focus on that and get that job done. But there's still a little cheeky video coming out. Um, that is mostly shot on a wide lens in slow-mo because that's what I like doing on my phone. Nice. So like, <laughs> Fun. Could be an interesting... It's like, is it Garth Marenghi who said that they used to fill in fill in the episodes of Dark Place by using slow-mo? And that's basically what I've done. Great. Well, if it's anything like Dark Place, then we're in for a treat. Um, are you going to do <laughs> a, a, a like sort of Place, simp sadly. score? Are you... Are you oh, yeah. Have you grow, grown a tash? Are you wearing like a white sort of uh, Dr. Smock? See, now, in retrospect, I haven't really thought this through, have I? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got a moustache if you remove the rest of the beard. And I was wearing a big waterproof coat because it was raining. Perfect. Sounds sounds perfect. It was raining. Of course yeah. it was. We've had some terrible weather. Um, yeah, really squally, really unusual weather. But it was good because it shook a lot of the apples from the tree pretty easily. Nice. Um, which meant I didn't have to do as much panking. Panking, eh? As expected. Panking. That's what... That's... Um, uh, what you do to get the the apples down from the tree? So it's a long stick with a hook on it, and you shake the branches, and that's called that's called panking. Which... So you're a panker then, if you're a, if you do a lot. Of yeah, panking. I'm a massive panker. It never got old. <laughs> I can assure you. Although I was only doing it for three days, they were still laughing. But maybe they, that's they must be charity. they must get sore panking so often. I got sore. I was sore within the first day, Brad. It's very intense. All that panking. It is. Your arms get real tired. <laughs> Lactic acid buildup. Yeah, that's why. You, exactly you, that. Did you drink a lot of uh, cider while you were there? I drank a lot of cider. So I was, I was, they they put together a little itinerary for me, which was really nice of them. So we tried lots of little Pomona cider, and they make fantastic stuff. Uh, one of the absolute highlights was they have a beer called Do It Puritan, 
which is a blend of quince juice, perry juice, and apple juice that was just one of the most delicious things I've ever tasted. Nice. But we also went to Tom Oliver, who's the most yes. uh, most famous cider producer in the UK. Uh, he's, um, I slowly learned, actually, like his, his best drinks are mostly perries. So we tried some really delicious perries by him, including one which I, I had to buy and bring home for you and me to try because it's just... It's just astonishing, like acacia honey, soft spice, soft tannin, and then just all out pear juice. It's just so Moorish and and brilliant. So it was a really eye opening trip, and I think I think there's going to be some more cider content coming on our channel, even though it's actually got a lot more in common with wine. The process is the same. You're looking for a mix of tannins and juice. Um, it's kind of like a natural wine, but with with apples and and, and pears. Basically. Apple wine, yeah, because perry, I think we we think of as as pear, maybe pear wine, but I, I I would say most people wouldn't assume that the process of of cider making is akin to uh, uh, wine making. We we probably assume that it was more like making a beer, even though there's no brewing involved as such. Um, yeah, but I mean, people still sort of say like brew, you know how do you brew your cider? Like there's no brewing involved at all. It's purely juice that ferments. Yeah. Um, there's no boiling pro- process. There's barely a cleaning process. Like that was one of the things that blew my mind as well. Not only was it basically like walking into a winery, they also, they cleaned nothing. So in brewing, everything is, you know, cl- as clean as you can possibly get it, unless you're in those really wild ferment based breweries. In a cider place, you know, there's just rotting apples everywhere. All they do with the apples is clean the mud off. Yeah. It's a really unsanitary environment, basically. But the yeast that come on these apples create the most amazing stuff. And I think they probably dump quite a bit because it will go acetic sometimes, um, you know, when a bad apple gets in. But I quite, mostly, they're, it's very reliable. I like the, the sort of... We've got some bridges across to the cider world because... You know, we love Little Faith, and they use um, uh, they use the, the the yeast off of their apples from their apple orchard, don't they, to brew with? So I think there's definitely some sort of roads in that we could explore cider from a different angle coming into it. And and um, you know, I'd love to get more involved with the cider. Uh, I've just had a little Google on what Pomona means because obviously you've got pomona island brewery and you've just been to little pomona little pomona is that mm-hmm. what you said um P- yeah. pomona apparently was a, a goddess of fruitful abundance in an ancient uh roman religion well in the ancient roman religion um yeah so yeah there you go Fruity. and obviously it has a uh, link to pom pom and apple french for apple yeah yeah pom de terre apple of the doesn't doesn't pom de terre mean yeah that no, means apple of the earth which is a which yes. is a potato, right? Yes. So pom so, yeah, means it's under apple, the ground, yeah. and pom de terre means apple of the earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Even though they're not yeah. anything like each other, you want to bite into a, a lovely, uh, a lovely ground apple, would Big you? King Edward. No, no ground <laughs> apples. You don't want to like take a fresh crunch at one of those bad boys. I mean, I can assure you some of the apples you don't want to bite into. Some of them, they gave me one as a little trick, I think. Mm. Just the most tannic thing. It was like it was like doing the cinnamon challenge. Just all your saliva just disappeared in an instant. Right. And you were just like chewing on mush. Um, and they use, they sometimes use those apples, but only, you know, if you've got a 
uh, a cider that's really, really soft and there's no tannin, which adds texture and works a bit like bitterness in beer to make it a bit more quenching and make you come in for that next that next sip to sort of um, lubricate your mouth again. Um, they, they use a little bit of that to, to get that tannin back in there on really soft apples, but you'd never... Well, there's a couple of varieties where it's really tannic and you would make a 100%, like tried Foxwell apples, which are like lemon sherbet, but tannic, just the most incredible sensory experience. Well. You can make a 100% Foxwell cider, but it is, you know, it's, it's, it's akin to sort of a Kears. Like wow. the first time you try that, you'll just be like, whoa, what is that? Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. it's dead exciting. You can probably tell I'm quite infused. Yeah. After three days up in up inside the country, do you know what I, um, I watched? Um, I must be at least fifteen years ago now. I, at late night, I watched a lot of late night TV on my own, and um, I was watching. I think it was maybe BBC Four or late night BBC Two, an amazing documentary about um, Victorian apple growers in England and how they basically hybridised apples. Um, to, to, to like like you would a dog or any or anything else the victorians were 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 really great at like kind of uh creating different things like a little tiny little silly dogs and whatever else they also made like thousands of different kinds of apples thousands of different kinds of roses which i think are in the same family is it deadly nightshade i think um and uh it was it was part of it was a, a guy that was going around um, and he was discovering new varieties of apples. He was just walking along roads. Um, whenever he saw an apple, apple tree, he'd pick one, and it would be totally different because each each sort of individual apple tree is a unique genus, I think, unless it's been um, unless it's been uh, what do you call it uh, cloned. So you can sort of graph them and make a new tree or like take a cutting make a new tree and that's from my reckoning 15 years well, ago that, that's true that was basically as far as how, i'm aware that's yeah. true of every plant in the world unless yeah. you're farming it you're going to get variety within so hops that's exactly what happened with hops people cross-breeding stuff to get brand new varieties um or indeed farming varieties that were working really well and had good resistance to disease and i, I mean apple has cider apples have thousands of varieties eating apples have thousands mm. of varieties and we think it doesn't because in a supermarket, there's what four or five varieties available for you to eat, but it's it's as broad as any other plant in the world, and there's thousands and thousands of different kinds. Definitely, um, yeah. And I was shown some amazing books of you know historical apples, many of which are lost to history now. Yeah, um, they they've died out, or or some of them, you know, they come back because a, a tree is discovered, and they go, oh shit, that's that's that one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an amazing and endless uh, journey into cider. Um, which hopefully the video that I put together will still get that story across, even if it's it's all on a mobile phone. Nice, um, Bradley. I'm conscious of time. I know, I know you are. One more apple question, Johnny. This one's the important one. What's your favourite kind of apple? Eating apple variety. Name it now. Jazz apple for me. I'm a jazz man. I don't. I don't really enjoy eating apples. What? Um, I, I I find they're mostly very dull and tasteless from a supermarket. Mate, you um, need to eat a jazz apple. Have you eaten a jazz apple? <laughs> I've eaten a jazz apple, yeah. That thing's the shit. Well, I'm not sure how, how frequent you'll get them in a supermarket, the jazz. Oh, you get them. You get them in, in Lidl or an Aldi. Um, oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You get a, get a, sort, a set of four jazz apples, probably looking at a couple of quid. 
way more expensive than the other apples, but whoa, they are they are good. So crisp. Okay, well, I'm I'm fox well poor death at this point. Nice. Well, fair enough. What, what would you you pair that with some cheese? Would you? Because a jazz apple goes great with a bit of cheddar. Oh, I wouldn't put a foxwell uh, with anything. <laughs> it would just dominate. Yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> just, you can stick I with your foxwell. I just enjoy the experience. I'll stick with my jazz. And let's talk yeah. about beer. Yes. So let's. Uh, we've got a question, a recorded question. We'll save that for the end. But let's talk about this week's video, which has divided the the the, the nation that is the craft beer channel. So this week's video was the, all about the world's strongest beer which was a collaboration between... Can you say it, Brad? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot again. No. No? Schorschbroi. Schorschbroi. There we go. Um, a collaboration between Schorschbroi from Germany and Brewdog. And they brewed ice-distilled beers that they blended to 57.8%. Wow, wow, we are. So it is the world's strongest beer. Um, and we enjoyed the experience, but not necessarily the liquid itself. I mean, it was exactly. it was uh, it was it was kind of an amazing thing to do. Um, I always love the sort of spectacle of something like that. I'm in, I'm into it. Like if someone says this is the world's hottest, the world's strongest, uh, the world's smallest, whatever it is, the sort of freak nature of of the being the most extreme appeals to my sort of childhood brain. Um, I guess maybe it's watching record breakers as a kid or something, but I love that sort of shit. I love people that have gone to the extreme and want to be the greatest in the world at something, whatever it might be. If it's the amount yeah, I mean, of time, lots of you the can... cynicism, yeah, lot, lots of the cynicism was like this is just a PR stunt, and you're like, well, of course it is. Yeah, why else would you do like, it? Like, yeah, there's there's only a couple of hundred bottles of yeah, it. It costs a bloody fortune to make. It, it costs yeah. a fortune yeah. to produce this stuff. Of course, it's it's PR. But, but, but I mean, you know. Doesn't the... mean it can't be fun. No, that's kind of what PR should be. It should be fun, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So one, one comment was, it's just PR. And I was just like, yeah, and it's great PR. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's yeah. having fun with it. And they, you know, they, they've put forward and used a very traditional ancient technique for making stronger alcohol to really interesting effect. And I think that's, that's lots of fun. So in the comments, there was lots of talk about that. Um, some people just coming out with I hate Brewdog cool that's cool as is your one I can understand why you might another person called me out on Twitter I said we don't review beer on this channel and oh, somebody just posted <laughs> we don't review beer on this channel I'd still argue this isn't quite a review we didn't say you should buy it or not we didn't say whether it was good or not we just gave our, our feelings on it and had an interview with the founder of Brewdog exactly but I get it I said fair play it, do you know what <laughs> I, I don't think it was a review I think it was it was a it was an experience and a kind of comment from uh, Martin on on what what the hell he was up to. Um, I mean, I certainly wouldn't say I reviewed it. I just experienced it, and um, you lived it. I lived it. I lived this minutes. thing. I, it wasn't like I could. I couldn't really savor it because it made my whole mouth go numb. Um, it made me feel. <laughs> I still a bit don't weird. understand how that happened. It gave me an earache, mate. It gave me an earache. Definitely. <laughs> I'm a I'm a delicate flower, but. Fucking hell, 60% alcohol does not agree with me. Um, made me feel <laughs> peculiar. Oh, dear. Well, it was great fun, so I highly recommend you guys watch that. And obviously, there's there's an interview with the story of it from Martin. Uh, like we said, we didn't get to use the whole interview from Martin, so we're going to put a podcast up probably next week 
um, of the rest of that story because it is it is a, a great yarn and he spins it out. Uh, I've picked out one specific comment um, because there's lots of talking points in it. So this was from James Sanford who said, if it's freeze distilled, it's not a beer, it's a spirit. It requires a totally different license. If it's been barrel aged in a barrel for years, it's whiskey more or less. He then goes on to talk about a brewery who got over 20% by just selectively breeding yeasts that, that could get to that. And that's interesting, and I'm definitely going to look up that brewery. But let, let's pick him up on this. So he said, if it's he said distilled, that they it's bowed out, didn't he? If that brewery had bowed out of the strong beer market. That was the guy I read that comment to. Yeah. So um, Yeah, which is a real shame. I hope they're still doing it because, you know, there's... You know, it's perfectly legitimate and perhaps delicious. Although, <laughs> you know, he talks about how sort of serious these guys were taking it, but then the beer is called Baz's Super Bruce. <laughs> yeah, sure exactly. Artisan. No, that really is. But um, I, I mean, I totally understand the twenty plus mark, and I totally understand that you know it's very different to beer, and it's interesting that breweries are trying to get higher without ice distilling. But ice distilled beer is still beer. All of the alcohol is derived from the brewing of malt. Yes. Which to me is the definition of beer. Like hops don't really have that much to do with it, uh, to do with the actual definition. I think it's it's alcohol that's purely derived from grain and then um, uh, having extra flavours added to it. So it's different to whiskey because whiskey is obviously distilled and nothing's added Mm. except the barrel, whereas beer, you're you're flavouring it. So I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's an interesting point. I'm sure lots of people disagree with, with me on that. Uh, where do you sit? Is uh, it still beer? I, I think it's still beer. I like the way you sort of uh, misstepped there and said it's alcohol deranged from beer, which I think is that's <laughs> quite accurate. Um, it's, it, it is deranged, deranged from beer. So, um, yeah, my opinion is it's still beer. It's just beer in the extreme. It's pushing the envelope. It's in the sort of Everest death zone of beer. Um, <laughs> it's at the very outer edges of of what what a beer could possibly be, um, yeah. which you know, that's so yeah, not it's for sort everyone. of a hybrid almost, but it's yeah. not. It's still still beer. It's not. There's no cheating involved either. So there's there are like other breweries, uh, not to be named, but there's another one in Scotland that they add like alcohol, like other kind of alcohol that isn't beer derived into mm. their strong beer. So they get supposedly to a higher figure, but it's not technically a beer, is it? So yeah. yeah, so we'll we'll get to that in a sec. You you jump in my gun. Oh, here. okay. Um, so he also says if it's been barrel aged, then it's whiskey more or less. But the difference here is it was barrel aged and then distilled, mm. not distilled and then barrel aged. So it's a very different approach to whiskey. Um, yeah, so you which might, is of course, you might that color and that flavor comes from the barrel. Yeah, you might get to a similar sort of flavor profile, which I'm not sure you did with this one, but. You might get to a similar flavour profile as a, as a whiskey, but you've kind of gone it in the reverse manner to get there. So yeah. it's not definitely not a whiskey, it's a beer. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. 
These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music, and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time, I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers, and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Yeah, I think I think in my view it, it's it's ice distilled beer. It's its own thing. Yeah, I don't think we need to say it's not beer, and I don't think we need to say it's whiskey more or less. It's it's ice distilled beer. Mm. That's that's what it is. Um, but it's an, an interesting point from from James, and that's got a good couple of likes. So people clearly agree, and they're you know within their rights to to agree. But I think I think really rather than trying to give it a name, we should have said it's ice distilled beer. It's separate in the video which might have made it a bit clearer. Um, so yeah, then going on to what you were talking about. So lots of people came on going, it's not the strongest beer in the world. Mm. And they were variously referencing um, Brewmeister's beers and uh, a Dutch brewery um, that made a 70% beer. But both of those beers are further removed from beer by being literally just spiked with ethanol. So a significant amount of the alcohol in those drinks was not derived from malt. No. So they're basically a cocktail at that point. Yes. It's like you've just tipped a load of whiskey into some beer and then gone, it's the strongest beer in the world, which we could do, Brad. We could do that, a video next week. Exactly. Strongest beer in the world, just get some 100% ethanol, pour it into a carling and go, strongest beer in the world. You wouldn't be able to edit though, Johnny, because you'd be blind at that point. Um... Well, there is, that is, I mean, we wouldn't drink it. And I wouldn't drink. So Brewmeister, who claimed to have the strongest beer in the world for a bit, it was called Snake Venom and it was 67.5%. That got lab tested and it was only about 27%. So not only did they spike it with ethanol, they also lied. So um, it was... And Brewmeister went out of business. What was the beer called? Snake Venom. There's more snake oil then. Snake oil. Strong Bradley. <laughs> Strong Bradley. You had to check to make sure hey. you got it right. But hey, hey that was good. Um... So yeah, so it is the strongest beer in the world, depending on your definition of beer, <laughs> is what I'm what I'm trying to say here. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was great PR, great fun, um, and really enjoyed the comments diving in and disagreeing and agreeing and having some fun with you guys. So please keep those comments going, and on all our videos, put them in. If you disagree with us, please please say. And I promise you, we're not dicks about it. If we disagree, we just try to get a conversation going. Exactly. Um, having said that though I was a bit of a dick to somebody on our Pilsner video oh. I mean he was a dick first he he came in saying that our video the bit that really really was it ground my gears was at the end he goes it's factually incorrect and muddled oh. better luck next time oh. um, to which I said no I think I think I think you're incorrect and muddled um, Do you, and did you hoist him with his own petard him. I tried, I tried, I tried Bradley, it nice. didn't quite work. But yeah, basically he was saying that we were implying that Hellers is a type of Pilsner, which, I mean, we literally say in the video, these are very distinct styles, they are completely different, and that was the point of the video. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where they just haven't quite engaged with what, what was going on there. But check out Mastercrest and my equally patronising <laughs> reply to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, should we take our question? Yeah, let's have it. Let's do it. So this question is from uh, Rob from Hopscene. So another uh, ah, Rob, wonderful YouTuber out there. Great stuff. Check out Rob from Hopscene. Cool dude. The last time we saw him, Brad was drunkenly hugging him at the North Bar. Of course uh, I was. Taproom, North Brew Taproom. 
now he, he still references that when we speak every now and then. He goes like, "Give, give a hug to Brad." Uh... <laughs> um, so let's see, let's see what Rob has to say for himself. I'll hit play. Hi, Johnny and Brad. It's Rob from Hobzine of YouTube fame. I've just been listening to your uh, interview with Andy Parker about homebrewing, and it's kind of got me interested in homebrewing again. I just wanted to ask, what apps and software do you recommend for homebrewers? Apps and software. Um, so we, in all of our videos so far, have been using Brewers Friend. Yes. Um, which, for us, has the best tools and all the tools we could possibly need and the ability to save your recipes. So we use that um, to calculate you know, our water chemistry. Um, you can store like your brew house efficiency, your mash efficiency, so you can get your uh, grain levels and water levels exactly right. Um, and we find that super helpful. And that's free, we, right? To be honest, that, that's completely free. Yeah. You can store up to five recipes for free, and then you'd need to start paying. Okay. Um, so there's a little work, but the recipes there. are also you downloadable. So downloadable. So, so you, don't worry about it too. So much. you could you could store five online at a time, but you could download them and then you could get around. Yeah, exactly. Paying if you were a real cheapskate, but um, that's nice. See, I like I like software. I like uh, things like that that offer kind of freeware. And then offer more of a premium service if you were to pay for it. So, like if you were, you know, a small microbrewery start starting out, or even a big one. I don't know what what those guys might use, but something like that—that's software that's scalable. Um, it, it lets people enter into it, get to know how to use it, and then they can grow with it, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, homebrewing should be about making, it's not about making stuff affordable. Like if you're getting into homebrewing to save money, like if you really need to do that, that's great. But it, it's not a cheap hobby. It's one of those hobbies that sucks you in yes. um, and you end up spending more than you mean to. So not having stuff that's scalable beer in like a bag, that is good. Johnny, then, then it's pretty cheap. But uh, it, can, it can be pretty cheap. Mm. Um, yeah, so having stuff that's scalable is really important. And we, we found Brewers Friend to be the best one, but we haven't really experimented with the others. That was a recommendation that I got when I first started homebrewing a couple of years ago. And I've I've tried some of the others, but it's a bit like, you know, going between Mac and PC. You're just like, it's what you're used to and you think that's best. Um, so I'm not saying it is the best app to use. And actually, I'd love to throw Rob's question out to other people. So if you've got an opinion on which one you use, which one you think is best, we'd love to hear that and we can pass that on to Rob. Because, um, yeah, I can't pretend to be an expert. We will be becoming experts, though, because we do have a very exciting project on the horizon, which we'll be experimenting with lots of different things and really going down the wormhole that is homebrew. Um, I'm not sure whether we... Well, we must have mentioned it uh, as part of our interview with Andy and maybe in last week's podcast. But next to me, blipping away, is uh, a pumpkin beer that will be... Uh, having coffee added to it in a couple of days as well. Mm. Um, so that's our next experiment that's coming out. And that one's a really cool video, really in-depth, and trying to persuade some roasteries to work with us on that coffee at the moment. They're running out of time to get back to me, but we'll see. Um, yeah, so Rob, I hope that helps. I, I feel like you're an exper experienced home brewer, so you've probably just rolled your eyes at me saying brewer's friend. But I hope... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope uh, you've been inspired to get back into homebrewing and, and we'll give Brewers Friend a go and share your recipes. Um, we get lots of questions about sharing our recipes. We only share them once we're 100% certain they don't need any more tweaking. So um, the New England IPA one is now live. We've had loads of questions from people going, is the sulfate level correct? Yes, the sulfate level is correct. I know it's incredibly low, but that is tried and tested by Verdant and now tried and tested by us. 
and the low sulfate level uh, really helps with that soft finish. Um, so yeah, we will put the pumpkin one live once the video is live and we're sure it's all, all gravy and all working. Um, yeah, anything to add, Brad? Because we've got to 25 minutes. Uh, not too much to add. I had my birthday this week, which was lovely. And I just, I spent it um, down in Margate drinking in micro pubs, which we still need to cover on the channel. But um, yeah. and, like... and everyone should be supporting their local micro pub yeah. as well in this tough time. Yeah, I do love an East Kent micro pub. So that was, that was how I spent my birthday, Johnny. But apart from that, mate, well, just glad the sun's out today. It looks lovely compared to the last few days. So Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a nice evening once it's all done. Um, talking of nice evenings, the last thing to announce is that tomorrow is our next live show. Mm. We are live at 8pm from the Brad Pad, oh, yeah. uh, where we will be celebrating Oktoberfest, because uh, obviously it's been cancelled this year, so hopefully, I think we are sold, I think we sold out of boxes, great. I think we got the full 60-ish sold, so that's great, um, and you guys will be joining us at 8pm, obviously, but everybody else is still joining us, grab a couple of tasty lagers, or whatever you want to drink, really. Um, but if you can get some Oktoberfest beers or some classic German or, or lagers or British lagers that are emulating that, please do and join us at 8pm. There'll be pretzels, drinking games, drinking, singing, um, and of course, unedited nonsense, which is what we're best at. Um, so yeah, join us 8pm on the YouTube channel tomorrow night. We'll be going till late, I'd imagine. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you then for some Gemütlichkeit. Oof, what a word. The Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer Channel. Head to youtube.com slash the craft beer channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer. <laughs>